All right, so um, while I got you guys here, uh, I'm actually glad they did the setup like this so that you guys can, we can have a, a discussion. Um, the first thing I want to say is that um, I'm just going to throw some stuff out there just to kind of get the conversation started, but I really want you guys to engage in the discussion. The same discussions that you have when you're at school, when you're around your other peers. Um, I'm really sorry about the the boys' attendance, man. You, you four lonely dudes, man. I'm I'm really sorry for you guys. Uh, nonetheless, um, you know, feel free to speak your piece. Um, I'm hoping that my talk is um, I'm I'm speaking to the right audience. So when I mention words like sex. Right, see, here we go. Oh, my God. Like, come on. Like, these are terms and words that you use when you're amongst your friends. Why can we not have a healthy discussion about sex? How many of you guys go to public school? Okay. So then you, sex is the least of your worries. That's the least of the words that you've heard that will make you uncomfortable. Um, why don't you just, yeah, bring it around and slide it under. Um, but it's important for us to put the word sex in its proper context. And for those of you who are online, um, make sure that you have your children sitting with you listening to this conversation. Um, because this is probably the first, um, or maybe not the first, but um, in the Islamic community, you, you rarely hear discussions of this of this magnitude addressing the young people. And I'm hoping that what we're doing right now is going to help bridge the gap between the older generation and the younger generation. This is... Hold on, Shanae. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, there's a disconnect between the older generation and the younger generation. Um, there's a disconnect because... In the 70s, 80s, when many of your parents were Muslims or new converts or second-generation Muslims, uh, these type of discussions didn't happen, not in the masjid, not in the mosque, um, if they happened at home. So the parents kind of carry on that tradition, not realizing that with the Internet, you guys have been introduced to a whole other world of relationships. If we wanted to know about sex, they had VCR tapes and magazines that we didn't really have access to. Right now, you guys have cell phones. Almost everybody in here right now has a cell phone, and with a click of a button, you can have access to a world. When I was your age, we didn't have access to that. With just a click of a button, you can be introduced to a whole other world of relationships, and, you know, most of the time, those relationships are, you know, not necessarily reality. They're not realistic. If you watch porn, if you saw porn, what you saw was two actors who got in front of a camera and did what they did in front of a camera. That's not love. That's not what a real relationship looks like. And a lot of times, especially boys, you will see these things and then you'll have a girlfriend and then you'll expect the girlfriend to do the stuff that you saw on porn. And it doesn't work like that. That's not relationship. That's not a healthy relationship. And in some instances, girls will be expected to do these things, believing that that's what a relationship is. And all of these things are damaging.
Because while it's cool, it's funny, it's all of those things as you're young, when you get married later on, 28, 29, 30 years old, all of that stuff comes back to you. And you realize how much of a mistake you made by introducing yourself or being in, allowing yourself to be introduced to this world in an improper fashion. All right. So let me start off by saying that your first your first experience with intimacy and I'm going to use the word intimacy instead of sex. All right. Because sex is the physical act. But as you will go on in your life to realize that sex is more emotional than it is physical. In a marriage, it's more emotional than it is physical. A boy can have sex with a girl and get up and walk away as if nothing ever happened. Because you are emotionally detached from the act. But a girl, she can have sex with a guy. And when he walks up and gets up and walks away and says, you know, it was just an act, it was just sex. For her, it's like we are a couple. We're a thing. It's like, no, we're not a thing. We just had sex. You understand what I'm saying? You see how that works for boys different than it worked for girls. And in some instances today, I mean, girls have been reduced to functioning like boys. You have a masculine energy, so you could have sex with a boy and get up and walk away, and it's, it's nothing. And that's not normal. That's not normal for a girl. So um, your first experience with uh, intimacy uh, should be a healthy experience uh, because it's going to shape your what they call psychosocial paradigm in the future. How you interact with the opposite sex. Your first interaction with sex or with intimacy is going to shape the way that you interact with the opposite sex later on in your life. <clears throat> I want to say some things that are going to probably make some people uncomfortable. And sometimes we have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. It's okay. When I say your first interaction or your first experience with sex should be a healthy one. I'm talking about in a relationship that has been sanctioned by Islam. That Allah has allowed. Meaning through marriage. Unfortunately in many homes... Girls and boys are introduced to sex in an unhealthy way. So what are some of the unhealthy ways that people are introduced to sex? Like what? Don't put her hand down. What are some of the more unhealthy ways that people are introduced to sex from the very beginning? Rape. Very good. Thank you. Rape. And this could happen to boys as well as girls. Don't think that boys, you guys are not exempt from that. You guys are not exempt from that. There's a reason why a lot of the young men in your generation right now, they have very feminine characteristics. There's a reason why little Wayne can get in front of a TV camera and kiss another man in the mouth. Yeah, there's a, there's a reason why little Uzi or little whatever. I, I don't take anybody who calls himself little anything serious. Little Wayne, little Uzi, little Yachi, little this, little that. I mean, you call yourself little. I mean, I can't take you serious. As a man, you shouldn't be associated with anything little, right? 
nonetheless, we're talking about guys wearing skirts. We're talking about Jaden Smith, who's advocating, you know, gender neutrality. I'm no gender. I'm neither male nor female. You understand what I'm saying? There's a reason why all of these things are happening and why boys are acting like girls. They're being what's called effeminized. And that's not just because they just enjoy dressing like girls. In a lot of these instances, a lot of them have been molested at home. A lot of them have been introduced to sex in an unhealthy manner in the home. And believe it or not, most of the rape and molestation cases that happen, especially within the African-American community, happens at home with family members, people that are close to you. Uncles, you know, grandfathers, some instances, stepfathers, stepparents. And this is very important for mothers who are marrying, remarrying, and introducing men to your children, that there should be a, a layer of protection for the children. Because we don't know how our children are going to be introduced. And do you think, since you raised your hand and you said rape, do you think that a girl who has been raped, and that is her first interaction with the opposite sex in an intimate setting, um, what happens to that girl after that? The first time that that happens to a girl, what happens to her after that? Start what? Thinking differently. How? Don't tell me messed up. Be more specific. What about her is messed up? Her brain will be messed up. Huh? Tell me. What? What about her is messed up? The way she feel about guys. How does she feel about guys now? She thinks that every guy is a raper. I want you guys to pay attention to this. Because a lot of the girls that you go to school with, this has happened to them. And you're not a, you don't understand why these girls, are, and there's an opposite effect to that as well. Sometimes when a girl is molested or raped, she actually ends up not caring about her body at all anymore. So now she sleeps with anybody. He smashed her, he smashed her, he slept with her, he slept with her. Right? Oh, I know all the language. Don't trust me. I, I know all the lingo. Trust me. I have a 16-year-old son, just like you guys. Trust me. All inside of his head. Please. Nothing escapes me. I'm sorry. I can't allow that to happen. Yes. Not all girls, but some. Some now lose respect for their body because they feel like my body was sacred and this man, especially if it was a family member who had no respect for my body, violated me. So therefore, why should I care about my body? When the closest man to me, my stepdad or my dad or my uncle, my father's brother, right, who should have cared for me, who should have loved me, who should have cherished me, violated me violated me, took advantage of me. So why should I care about my body now? So while we in high school see girls and they're very promiscuous, they sleep with this one, sleep with that one, and we just look at her as an easy target, what we're not realizing is that she's doing this because something was done to her. And from, in many instances, we don't care. It's like, you know, oh, you smashed? All right, I want to smash too. And in some instances, 
she, you know that your man is going to smash her today, you'll ask her, can I get second dibs? I mean, so now you have two men that are now taking advantage of a girl who has initially been taken advantage of from the very beginning. And a lot of times she doesn't even know why she's allowing this to happen to her. She doesn't care anymore. And then the opposite effect is to withdraw. She's been violated, taken advantage of, so she withdraws from men altogether, which has an opposite effect. What, what does that lead to? Huh? Say what? She becomes what? She becomes gay. Yeah. So now she finds comfort in other girls. Because boys now represent a threat to them. So they're afraid. They stay away. They withdraw from boys altogether. So you're wondering why she's so cute. And every time you try to kick it to her, she doesn't, never, she doesn't give you no airplay. And you're like, what's wrong with her? Because she don't want boys. She wants girls. Because girls now represent a comfort zone, safe. She's not going to violate me like my uncle did, like my father did, like my brother did, like one of my brother's friends did, right? Because sometimes we're not even aware, you know, the negative energy that we keep around us. You bring your boys over to your house and you're trying to kick it with your sister and you think that that's cute. Not realizing that the moment you turn your back, he violates your sister. And you're still cool with him. You understand what I'm saying? So how is she supposed to respect men now? Because that's the other side of that. Now she has no respect for men. She has no respect for men. Doesn't respect her father. Because the father knows that the uncle violated her. But the father and, the bro the father and his brother, her uncle, are still cool. And she sees that. How are you still cool with a man that violated your daughter? Under the guise that that's my brother. <laughs> what do you want me to do? So now she's forced to kind of just tuck her feelings away and live with it. Well, we, we live. I can't tell you what I can't tell you what I would do. <laughs> she said, what should happen to a man who allows that to happen to his daughter? Like, like, what are the consequences? I mean, I can't tell you, you know, in public what should be done. Everybody handles their situations differently. Um, I, on the other hand, um, Allah almost time. What would you do if somebody violated your sister like that? Someone came to you and said, you know, your best friend, your boy, right, your homie, you know. Are you guys aware of the situation that happened in, where was that, Maryland, D.C.? A couple of weeks ago, they had a party at a hotel, and they invited the girl over to the hotel party, and there was a couple of dudes in the back, and they got her drunk or whatever. They raped her, and she they killed her. Chicago. And killed her. That's another thing that you guys don't understand that sometimes you're surrounded by devils and you don't even realize it. So while you think, you know, your lipstick popping, you this, you that, you cute, everybody, you know, you always have one or two girls that really can't stand you. 
and that one or two girls that really can't stand you is cool with two dudes that really want to smash you. It was a well-known fact that if you wanted to get to a girl, the quickest way to get to her is not by you kicking it to her. You go to her best friend. Girls know how to persuade other girls. So the the two guys say, you know, invite your friend over. They're not really your friend. They act like they're your friend. And your mom and your dad is telling you this is bad company. Stay away from her. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, of course I don't know what I was talking about because I was never 16 before. Obviously, I don't know. What was I thinking? I was never 17 before. I was never 16. I was never in your, you know, your situation before. What was I thinking? You're right. I don't know what I'm talking about. And the same girl gets invited to a hotel party, not knowing that there's two guys in another room, get you drunk, right? All of the things that your religion tell you is haram. You totally disregard all of it. Drink, smoke, and then you don't realize that all it takes is one pull of a blunt to have some chemicals in it that will set your mind off on a course that you can never recover. One puff off of a blunt, that's it. They're not just smoking weed anymore, if you didn't know. And you already have chemicals in your body, so you're mixing chemicals and you don't know what type of reaction your body is going to have. Not only that, they have all types of drugs that they put in your drink or all of these things. And once you're unconscious, you, you can't defend yourself. So, I mean, when you guys are looking at all of this stuff, I mean, all of this stuff should be making you more aware of your surroundings, more aware of yourself, more aware of the people that you keep around you. Uh, and I mean, I know I understand it's tough. I mean, you're in high school, the peer pressure, the influence and all of that. A girl comes to you and she tells you she likes you. She thinks you're cute. Can she get your number? I mean, how do you deny that? How do you say, nah, I'm cool because now everybody's going to think you gay. So what is you, gay? Right? <laughs> She's asking you for, then your boys is clowning you. It's like, oh, dude, she just asked you for your number. You come with the whole Muslim stuff. I don't get my number out. I want to save myself from marriage. Like, yo, what is you, gay? <laughs> right? How do you handle that type of pressure? Do you cave and say, I ain't gay. Here, take my number, right? How do you how do you how do you handle that? I'm asking. How do you handle that? What do y'all do? What do y'all do? <laughs> how do you handle that? Huh? You don't give your number out? MashaAllah, you don't give your number. That's funny. I'm Muslim. I don't do that. Well, a lot gonna hold you to what you what you're saying right now. So you, I mean, like you don't have to say that in front of me. I, I I'm not your judge. You ain't gotta worry about me, man. But I, I want to be realistic. Like, what would you tell another Muslim if it's not you? Someone else, another young Muslim that goes to your school, comes to you is like, yo, uh, such and such, Stacy or whatever. What's the girl's names today? I don't know. I don't want to throw any old. Huh? Zainab? <laughs> okay. <laughs> such and such asked me for my number. What should I do? How, what type of, how do you advise him? How do you instruct him? Huh? How do you instruct him? Huh? I have to answer. 
get the number? You just want to get the number. Go ahead and give her the number. Okay, then where does that lead to? Once you get the number, then what? Conversations. Conversations. Then conversations lead to what? Picks. Send me a pick. Right. Send me a pick. Because you always got to tell the person you're on the phone with what you're getting ready to do. I'm about to get in the shower. Oh, word? Send me a pick. And then the picks is sent. Right, and then when it's time to get down to the get down, it's like, oh no, nah, no! Nah. All right, now the person already got your picks, and you know what happens when the he want to smash and you don't want to, but you already sent him picks. So now he gonna share the picks with his boys. Now everybody in the school know what you look like unclothed. Stop sending pics of pe- of yourself to people. Stop posting pics of yourself on the internet. You wear a hijab for a reason. You wear a hijab for a reason. And even if you don't wear the hijab all the time, I think that it's unfair. Do you think it's fair to your husband, who is going to marry you 10 years from now, 15 years from now, is going to marry you, but at the time that he marries you, pretty much every dude that you came in contact with from the time you were 16 to the time you was 26 and married him, Everybody know what you look like. So what's the sense in wearing hijab? Because you're not clothing yourself for him. Because all your previous boyfriends and friends know what you look like. And then we post it on social media. I'm trying to figure out, like, it's like an Islamic bipolar syndrome. It's like you posting a pic of the Kaaba. Oh, I can't wait to go to Hajj one day. Then the next pic is you without a hijab on. It's like, what are you doing? It's, you're sending mixed messages. It's like one minute you Islamically inclined and the next minute you, you're somebody else. So by a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship, I mean a relationship that Allah has sanctioned. In Islam, um, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he said that if a man places his private part in an area that is halal for him, he gets a reward. He said that even in the sexual act of one of you, there's a sadaqa, there's a charity. So the, some of the sahaba did, didn't understand that concept. They said, are you saying that if a man goes to his wife and has sexual relations with his wife, he gets a reward from Allah? So the Prophet wasallam said, yes, don't you see if he was to put his private part in an area that is haram for him, then he will be sinful. Likewise, if he puts it in an area that is halal for him, then for him is a reward. So it's not just the act of safeguarding yourself, but also doing it in a manner that has been legislated by our religion. Islam doesn't deny you that. It doesn't deny you that. It just puts parameters around the way that that is done. So although we tell you to stay away from these type of relationships, we're not telling you to stay away from relationships altogether. We're trying to get you into adulthood so that Once you do decide to get married, you've had the necessary experiences, the healthy experiences. All right? No, we're not trying to stop you from that. But there's another hadith where the Prophet mentioned about three people who got trapped in a cave. And they had to get out of the cave doing what is called tawassul. Tawassul means to ask Allah for something based upon a good deed that you did. So you say, Oh Allah, if I did this, then do this for me. 
All right? This is something that you can take with you. If you want Allah to respond to your dua, one of the quickest ways to get him to respond to your dua is to do something good and then turn around and ask him based upon that good act that you did to do this for you. Maybe you helped somebody with something and you said, oh Allah, if I help that person for your sake, then do this for me. So these three men got trapped in a cave and they had to use their good deeds to get out. So one of the two, he said that I had a female cousin that I was attracted to. Like any man would be attracted to any woman. He said, and I desired her. I wanted her so bad. He said, and I went to her and I made a proposal and she refused. No. He said, and then she fell on hard times. And then she came back to me and she asked me for the money. And she would let me have my way with her. He said, when I got down in between her legs, she looked up at me and she said, Fear Allah. Fear Allah and don't do this to me except with due right, meaning by marriage. He said, I was afraid. I got up off of her and I left and I told her to keep the money. I didn't even want the money back. He said, oh Allah, if I did that, fearing you, then move the boulder from the mouth of the cave so we can get out. The point that I'm making is that she told him, don't do this except with do right. And that's, as a woman, that is your protection. That if this person loves you and respects you, right, then you want to ask the person that if you really love me like you say you do, then don't do this except in the right way. Don't do it except in, in, uh, that you do it in the right way. So when I talk about having your first experience with uh, intimacy, and that that being a healthy way and done in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, legislated. That's what I'm talking about. Um, sex is a physical act, um, but it's also spiritual and emotional. I want you to think about something. As human beings, do we carry energy with us? Huh? We do, right? That, neg that energy can be negative or positive. Do you believe so? Okay. What does negative energy look like? A person who has negative energy, carries negative energy with them, what does that look like? You ever been around someone, especially for guys, all right? You ever been around someone and the dude just acts like a complete devil all the time? Like from the very beginning of his life, he's always fighting, bullying, taking advantage of people, stealing, cheating. That's just his aura. That's his MO. That's who he is. He doesn't know how to be any different. And then he carries that on into teenage years. He's, he's always want to, um, let's go rob this person. Let's go steal this. Let's go do this. You, you know people like this all the time. Every time you're around them, they want to do something mischievous. They want to do something devious. They want to do something devilish. When you're around that person, that person, if you're not strong enough, that person begins to have an influence on you. You guys ever seen the movie Juice? Okay. Who was the negative energy in Juice? Bishop. Tupac. Every time you come around him, Right? He's negative energy all the time. Right? When they were in the apartment and they were watching the movie where the guy was shooting and he's yelling and screaming, that's that negative energy. 
And he was surrounded by other guys that weren't as bad as he was. But his negative energy was beginning to influence them. That movie is a classic for peer, young people and the peer pressure that they experience. And then one day he shows up at your crib with a gun. Oh, I got this. And you're like, yo, what are you doing? Now he's about to escalate this situation. And so a lot of times you guys are listening to music. You're listening to all of this rap music. And he's talking about, you, you know, just caught a body about a week ago. Where's he at right now? All right. Sitting on Riker's Island. And trust me, that's not a place that you want to be. You got it all figured out until you on C-74. <laughs> got it all figured out until the cops put the cuffs on you and they're taking, taking you down to Central Booking and you're not going home. <laughs> you're not going home. But you got it all figured out. Your skinny jeans on and your pants and, you know, your gold chain and, you know, dabbing and doing all this other goofy stuff, right? You got it all figured out until you're sitting behind the wall and trying to beg, trying to find out when is your court date. I don't know when you're going to court. Sit. Calling home. You can't get on the phone because you're not really tough. You Instagram tough. And there's a difference between being Instagram tough and being real tough. Because there's some real tough guys out there. Real tough guys. There's a difference between being an internet gangster Right? Getting on the internet and flashing your gun and doing the, you know, the 60 second video uploaded to Instagram and everybody liking it and commenting. That's not a tough guy. Trust me when I tell you. Because real tough guys don't flash their guns on Instagram. Real tough guys use their guns when the sun go down. And sometimes in broad daylight. That, that's real tough guys. And you sitting in a cell with these guys, and you realize at that moment that I'm really not a tough guy. I'm really not built like this. I'm not. So you have to be able to differentiate between, you know, the, the type of energies that people carry with them. And when you're around someone, especially for the girls, you're around someone, and this person has this negative energy with them, you have to be able to say, you know what? I'm, I, we are two totally different calibers. I am not of your caliber. You might want to find. And they find, they leech onto good girls. They leech onto you. Why? Why do they feed off of you? Why does a person, a, a girl who carries negative energy, why does she want to be around girls that are not as negative as they are? So she can manipulate them. But why? Why does she need to manipulate them? Because she's insecure. Very good. What else? You had your hand up. Huh? The, the negative girl wants to change? No. Nah. She doesn't want to change. Huh? She doesn't want the same level of energy around her because obviously she's an alpha female and she's, you know, competitive. So she hangs around girls who are more inferior than she is because she can dominate them. She can manipulate them. She doesn't want to be around the same negative energy as she is because she wants to be the dominant one. All right. And then you have the good girl, which are a lot of you girls, Muslim girls. You wear your hijab. They, they think that that's cute. But this boy over here likes you. 
come on. She grabbed you by your hand, walked you over to him. You'd steady pulling away like, nah, I'm good. She's like, nah, nah, talk to him. My brother knows him. He's cool with my brother. He's a good dude. And lo and behold, you know, she makes the connection between you. All the while, you don't realize how this negative energy is pulling you away from who you really are. And then everybody else around you that is trying to talk sense into you, they now become your enemies. When in fact, the girl, the, the girl, the negative energy that initiated you to this world is your real enemy. While she's making everyone else around you believe that your mom, your stepmom, this woman, that girl, your teacher, everybody else that's telling you this person is bad business, bad dope, stay away from them. But they become your enemy, yes. They, they admire your innocence, they admire your goodness, and they want to change you to be more like them. They envy you. They hate the fact when they see you, that you're a good girl, you get good grades in school, you know, you're, you have the likable factor, all the boys like you, but you don't really care about them. None of the boys like her, but she really likes everybody else. And she can't understand what's the difference between you and her because, you know, we're besties. We actually look alike. No, we don't look alike. <laughs> right? Let's dress together. Let's let's wear this together. And you're, the whole while, you're like, yeah, we do look alike. You don't look alike. You don't. Be comfortable in your own exclusivity. Be comfortable being you. No, you don't look like me. No, I don't want to dress like you. If two people are the same, one of you is irrelevant. The world doesn't need another you. And there's no one that can be a better you than you. And you can't, you don't owe anybody an excuse for being you. I wasn't trying to be anybody else anyway. So, while I got you guys on a roll with the negative, positive, negative energy, now let's talk about when you have sex with this person. When you have sexual relations with a person that carries negative energy with them, you are transferring that energy to the other person. Do you realize that? If you allow a man, a boy, to enter into your body, that person is bringing the negative energy with them and putting that negative energy into your body. Haram on top of all of that. But you guys already know it's haram. You know it's haram. So it being haram for most Muslim children is neither here nor there. That's not, that's not the motivating factor for many of you, unfortunately. So we have to find another angle Right to get you guys to start using the brains that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave you. But that transference of energy is real. It's real. Which is why once a boy does that, right, you become a whole different person. A father who is aware of the boys in his home can tell the difference between his son once he has had sex the first time versus a son who hasn't done that. Your energy is different. The way you carry yourself is completely different. Am I lying? Don't raise your hand because if you self-disclose, then that means that you've already done it. But 
the danger in that is that some of these homes don't have fathers in them. That's the other piece. So the father is not there to have these conversations with the young men in the home. The mother, she tries to have those con- can't have that conversation with your mom. It's like, mom, like, chill. I- I'm not having that conversation with you. That that come on, just talk to me. Tell me what's going on. Nah, nah, I'm good on that. Not having that conversation with you, mom. Alright? Even as a father, even as a father trying to have that conversation with my son. Who's 16, he's like, yo, this is mad weird. I don't want to have this conversation with you. But we got to have the conversation. And, you know, you just keep, as a parent, keep probing, keep picking until you find the right time, the right moment to have that conversation. But a lot of times, you know, there's no men in the home. So you don't have a go-to. You don't have someone to go and have that conversation with. She's willing to... Uh, are we going to do it? Are right, we going to do it tomorrow after school? You're like, all right. So your heart is pounding. It's racing. And you try, You wish you had somebody to push that on. All of your friends are telling you, go ahead and do it. But you're really waiting for someone, that voice of reason, to come and say, y'all, don't do that. Don't do that. But that transference of energy is real. And sometimes you pick up somebody else's negative energy and you can't get rid of it. You have sexual relations with someone, you allow someone to enter into your body with their energy, and they give you the same negative energy, and you cannot get rid of it. Think of a girl who was a good girl, who messed with a dude, and they have sex, and she begins to change, literally, by the day. Have you ever, you seen that before? You see her with this guy, and then she does it, and you know she did it, because she comes and she's like, guess what? We did it. Right? And you like, Astaghfirullah. Why did you do that? Well, so what? He asked and we did it, or whatever the case may be. What you're not realizing is that this person now has transferred their energy into you, and you now begin to change by the day. Within a six month period, you are a completely different person. And sometimes for the young Muslim girls that other Muslim girls begin to look at you differently. And so your your counter to that is to say, well, to hell with y'all. I'm doing me. Don't judge me. Well, you do this or you do that. You're trying to point out everybody else's mistake, everybody else's flaw to justify what you did. Instead of standing in your discomfort and saying, you know what, you're right. I shouldn't have did that. And some go as far as actually even ending up leaving Islam. Looking at the Muslim community as we're a bunch of hypocrites. Looking at the Muslim community, looking at your parents as, well, your mom does this, and you're pointing out everybody's flaw, everybody's mistake, but you never take a look at yourself. Everybody else is wrong. The Muslim community, the imam, your mom, your stepdad, your dad, this one, that one, everybody else is hypocritical. And you're doing all of that to justify what you did. And it doesn't work. It doesn't justify it. Only to find yourself so far beyond the boundaries of Islam that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy on you, it may take you 10, 15 years to find your way back to Islam. As some of the young Muslim girls that was sitting in the situation that you're sitting in right now 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where are they? Those Muslim girls right now that are in their 30s, 
35, 34, 36. Where are they? Many of them not even practicing Muslims. Many of them not even Muslim at all. And I can guarantee you that the start of their journey to exit out of the fold of Islam was the relationship they had with that boy. Guarantee you. So, you know, I don't want to just kind of like lecture you guys, but I just want you guys to be aware of the things that you are subjecting yourselves to. Um, virginity is very precious, very important. Yeah, you know. Uh-huh. So we, we, we focus on the outside of Islam, the clothing, the, you know, right. He said something very profound. He said that in the Muslim community, we oftentimes put so much emphasis on the outside. Your hijab, your overgarment, putting on a thobe, which is exactly why I didn't come here wearing a thobe today. I did that purposely. Because a lot of times we'll see an imam and we'll put him in this box that he has to look like this. Right? And that hurts us because... We concentrate only on the outside, the look of it, the look of Islam. And we seldom look at the, the internal virtues of Islam. And he said that a lot of times in his experience that in the Muslim community places so much emphasis on the outside, you know, how you look, how you dress, and all of these other things, and is very little emphasis placed on the internal. You know, what does it mean to be steadfast in your religion? What does it mean to be patient? What does it mean to endure? What does it mean to tolerate? What is it what do, what do all of these things mean? And if we internalize that aspect first, then the outside, the dress and all of the other things would come easier. They would just fall in place. It would be easier. Do you guys agree? You think there's too much emphasis on the outside? Sure, absolutely. Go for it. So you know what I hate? What? Like, okay. 
and sisters that are more seasoned in the masjid who look down on you, judge you, um, because they don't really understand your struggle. Um, how does that affect you? Does that make you feel like, you know what, why should I even try? Why should I even try? You got on jeans, right? You have on a shirt. You're trying to cover your behind. You have on tips. You got on bundles. You know, all that good stuff, right? And you come into the masjid. How would you like for one of the brothers or sisters, what would you, what would be a way for them to address you that you would be more receptive to? Mind your business? No, that's not going to work. Come on. So, I mean, for some people, they might say, all right, cool, I see she's trying, she's here. Uh, and I say that all the time. It's, it, it makes no sense to criticize a person when they show up at the masjid. The fact of the matter is they're here. 
They didn't have to walk in. They could have kept walking by. They could have went to a party. Right. person you would rather the person be more nurturing and more teaching and educating than condemning and criticizing yeah, help and judging like help, the person. help me yeah, okay children, they, their experience with Islam is totally different than ours. And what worked for us, what kept us, you know, within on the Sirat al-Mustaqim is not going to necessarily work for them. It's different. It's a different approach, yes. very surprised. I was actually anticipating a bunch of young Muslims coming here and are so detached from Islam, we gotta basically call you back to Islam, but you guys got it. You guys, you got it. Your problem is not that you don't understand Islam. Your problem is not that you're detached from Islam. Your problem is that we are detached from you. That's that's the problem. And that's what Very good. Very good. So, for, and not, not just for this message, because this is an epidemic in, in most of the African American Muslim communities. There's a huge disconnect between this, you guys would be basically third generation Islam. This is the 
you are the children of the parents that you know begin to experience these things and some parents some of your parents who are you know in their 40s late 30s 40s early 50s um kind of saw the same thing and some people kind of begin to distance themselves from the masjid and that feeling trickled over into the next generation which are you guys and so you are basically feeling the same pain that many of your parents experience and, and trying to, you know, and trying to implement Islam. So it's a generational gap between this generation and the previous one and, and our understanding and our approach to Islam. And like you said, you would much prefer someone to be more teaching, more educating, more nurturing than to say, oh, you can't wear those tips. That's haram. Okay, dude, I know it's haram. Teach me why it's haram. Instead of just saying it's haram, you can't do that. And then, of, of course, then you have to look at the way you approach someone. A lot of the older brothers and sisters, you talk at people instead of talking to them. You talk at them. Oh, you can't sit there. Or oh, you can't come on to Musallah with that. It's just like, uh, couldn't you have just walked over to me and said, hey, do you mind? Right, Salaam Let's start there. What's your name? Hi, I'm glad to see you at the masjid. Mashallah, may Allah bless you. Um, could you take your popcorn on the other, uh, not on the musallah, please? Because we don't, you know. And, and a person would be more receptive to that than, you can't bring that in here. Put that over there. It's like, who are you talking to? Like, I'm not your child. I get it. I, I overstand. I get it. Okay, so... Back to the sexual aspect. Your virginity is so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah is going to give you your virginity back. Did you know that? There's a verse in the Quran in surah number 56, ayah 35. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna insha'na hunna insha'a. That we will give the women a new creation. And we will restore to them their virginity. And they will be brides for the companions of the right hand. Virginity is so important in our religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give the woman her virginity back in the hereafter. So when you think about a woman who loses her virginity, or a man for that matter, because there's a double standard in the community, we kind of tell the women, maintain your virginity, stay chaste, fear a law, wait till you get married, and then the boys are kind of like giving a pass to do them. And then they come back to Islam, and they're ready to get married, oh, I want a virgin, I don't want to buy with kids. It's just like, dude, like... <laughs> How do you get to choose what type of woman you want when the woman that you're actually asking for, you don't even qualify for? Right. You got two, three baby mothers that are not even Muslim, but you don't want a woman with kids. It's just like, how? Where they do that at? But we give them, we give them the pass. They have a pass. And it's like the women, you have to remain chaste, you have to remain, you know, maintain your chastity, fear Allah, and wait until you get married. And yes, it is a double standard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praised Maryam, the only woman mentioned by name in the Quran, for maintaining her chastity. And this is, you guys, I want you guys to understand something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose Maryam to mother Jesus simply because she maintained her chastity. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَرْيَمْ إِبْنَةَ إِمْرَانَ الَّتِي أَحْصَنَتْ فَرْجَهَا فَنَفَخْنَ فِيهِ مُرُوحِنَا And Maryam, the daughter of Imran, who preserved her chastity, meaning did not give her virginity away in a haram manner, preserved her chastity, and as a result of that, we put our spirit into her womb. So think about the virtue in maintaining your chastity because the womb that you have is going to be the nurturing place for the next Malcolm X, the next Umar bin al-Khattab. Every man that we've seen in our history that has been influential, that has the ability to affect change in our society, has come through the womb of a mother. And you think about what women are doing to their wombs today. They're getting piercings in their private areas. To stimulate an emotion, to stimulate a feeling that is almost like animalistic. You know when a female dog is in heat, the female dog drags her private part on the ground because it needs to be stimulated. This is essentially what you guys have been reduced to in this society. You get your private part pierced and it's the constant, you know, stimulation to the private area almost as if you are a female dog in heat waiting for the right guy to present itself present himself so you can sleep with him satisfy that desire you've been reduced to animals and while we think it's cute to get this piercing that piercing we think that that's cute there's nothing cute about that you're playing into this whole idea of being reduced to animals Okay. Okay. You guys understand what I'm saying to you? Your private area should not be in constant stimulation. That that is not normal. But we're getting piercings in these places so that we can constantly be stimulated as if we are animals in heat. So I guys, I want you to guys, I want you to think outside the box with these things. We're Muslims. And the distinguishing factor about us is not the way that we dress. It's the way that we believe. That's what sets us aside from everybody else. They're going to call their then, inshallah, and then we're going to continue after they finish. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, Muhammad 
chastity, maintaining your virginity until the proper time to lose that virginity is, is important. So can you imagine the woman who gave away her virginity in a manner that was haram and have to come on the day of judgment and Allah give you your virginity back because you gave it away in a manner that was haram? That Allah has to give it back to you because you gave it away in a manner that was haram? The first person that you sleep with should be your husband. That's an honor that you are giving him under the the bond of marriage. And if any man loves you, and you're going to have many men, a 17-year-old boy, 16-year-old boy telling, he, telling you he loves you is lying. I'm just telling you, facts. Because he doesn't even know what love is. And because you want to be loved so bad by a man, <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, real talk. A seven, 16, 17, 18-year-old boy that tells you that he loves you is lying. Because he doesn't even know what love is. And you want to be loved so bad by the opposite sex, you'll accept it. Some might say you have daddy issues. It's possible. No, real talk. How do you even know what love is? What is love? Yo, I love you, yo. Really? <laughs> All you gotta do is ask him what is love. What do you mean you love me? Like, I really care about you. Okay, what does that mean? If he can't explain it, he doesn't understand it. I tell my fifth grade students that all the time. If you, don't, if you can't explain it, you don't understand it. So if someone tells you that they love you, and they can't explain what that actually means, right? then they don't understand what it means. If you can't explain it, you don't understand it. And sometimes our desire to be loved so badly, we will accept that. But he said he loved me. And you, as a parent, you're looking at him like, what? He said he loved you. What is love? I'm your parent. I love you. <laughs> he doesn't love you. Any person, anyone that asks you to do something that goes against your morals and your values does not love you. 
anyone that asks you to do something that goes against your religion, what you believe, does not love you. These are, I'm, I'm giving you things to gauge what people say to you, to gauge it against. Yes. What if he says he loves you and tells you he wants to marry you? Tell him to love you after he marries you. Real talk. You love me? Marry me and then tell me that you love. Then prove to me you love. Because love is a, is a verb, not a noun. Meaning love requires, anytime love is used in a sentence, it's used as a verb. Meaning that it shows action. It's not just something that you say. Love is just a word until somebody comes along and gives it meaning. So if a brother says that he loves you and he wants to marry you, cool, marry me first and then show me how much you love me. But don't show me how much you love me and then string me along with the promises of marriage. Because there's a lot of women who have been strung along. We're going to get married, inshallah. And the whole while, you're sleeping with him. Why pay for the cow? Why, you know, why pay for the milk when you can get the cow for free? Why, don't, why am I going to marry you when you're already sleeping with me? I don't need to marry you. But I'm going to keep feeding you this narrative that we're going to get married one day until I find somebody else, until I get tired of you. Yeah, it's, it's a raw deal, but it happens. It happens, man. We're telling you these things because we love you. We want you guys to have the healthiest experience. And guys, I'm, I'm sorry if you feel like I'm just like exposing all the game, but that's my job. I'm a father. I have a daughter, man. I got to expose the game, man. And it's sad because it's the same game that I was once, you know, a proponent of. But I, I can, I'm, I'm an adult now, and I have a daughter now, and everything is different. Things change. So what was once the same game that I probably would have ran on the same 16, 17-year-old girls, now that I have a daughter, I have to, now your mentality changes. You can no longer, that can no longer be okay. Yeah. Sure. Shoot. Awesome. Very good. He said, what do we say to our sons and daughters who have already lost their virginity? What do we say to them? Well, the thing is, is that that is not something that you can get back in this life. Um, you lost that. Allah gave it to you. You came out of the womb of your mother with your virginity. And once you became of age, right, you became mature you now became responsible for your own virginity. We were responsible for it until you became re responsible in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is the day that, as a woman, you begin menstruating and the day that you begin to have nocturnal emission, meaning that you guys have become in puberty. Now you become responsible for your own virginity. And if you were irresponsible with that, Allah gave that to you. You were irresponsible with it. And you went and you gave it away frivolously to someone that didn't deserve it. You have to live with that. You have to live with that. And perhaps Allah will give it back to you, Yom Al-Qiyamah. But in this life, you have to live with that. And all you have to do is ask some of the older women who have experienced that. Who lost their virginity in a manner that was haram. 
ask them if they could go back and do it all over again, wouldn't they? Ask them. Ask the women who are married now, who lost their virginity in a manner that was haram, if they could have waited until they got married to do that, would they have done it? And I guarantee you they will tell you yes. A woman will tell her husband, I wish I had waited for you instead of giving it to somebody else who eventually broke my heart, who hurt me. And you gave him the best, one of the best parts of you. And you can't get that back. And for the man, we might look at it as, you know, it's some like male bravado, there's some like celebration that you lost your virginity. But at the same token, how that affects you later on is that you are now confusing or conflating love with sex. You believe every time you have sex with a woman, that is your way of showing her you love her. And you are sadly mistaken because sex doesn't equal love. So you're not able to engage the woman in a, in a relationship the way that you are supposed to as a man because your introduction to sex was in a manner that was unhealthy. And now I hold lectures trying to help men navigate through some of these emotions that they have simply because they didn't have that, that direction when they were young. I didn't have that direction when I was young. But we, you know, we're trying to stop you guys from repeating the same cycles all over again. And while other boys might think it's cool to lose your virginity, are oh, you still a virgin? Ah, oh, man, you, you corny. You're still a virgin. Sometimes you got to be able to say, okay, well, I'm corny. I, I still got my virginity, though. I'm good. You have to be able to stand in your discomfort as a Muslim. You can't let somebody peer pressure you into giving something away that Allah gave to you. Allah gave you that. Allah gave you your virginity. And you take that and you give it away for free to somebody that doesn't owe you anything. There was no marriage contract, no commitment, no nothing. You just give it away for free. And you have to live with that. I mean, I don't think that, um, I think the way that parents deal with their children once they find out the child has lost their virginity, I think the way that this, the, the children are dealt with is, is wrong. It's unfair. A lot of the children are shunned. A lot of them are made to believe that they have done the worst. Po the worst sin that you can commit is shirk. We stand on that. The worst sin that you can commit as a Muslim is shirk. Not losing your virginity. You follow me? And some parents will shun our children and condemn them to the point where they feel like they have done the worst thing ever. And the worst thing ever is to associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything has to be put in its proper perspective, yeah. No, go ahead, say it. Um, she said that, you know, some children might uh, hold it down in terms of not losing their virginity in a manner that is haram, but then they find themselves engaging in other behaviors like looking at porn or other behaviors like oral sex or masturbating. Absolutely. So, you writing that? Do you want to come back after the
Yes. Uh, we're going to go pray, and then I'll answer that when we come back, inshallah. I'll give you an alternative alternative to that, inshallah. So we're going to go pray, inshallah, and we'll be back.